Hello, everybody, again, and welcome, that sounded stupid, to a new <laughs> episode, to another episode, we're way off, to another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the head who does the intro. That's my job. <laughs> and I'm Dane, uh, the head that's bit through the bit. And you'll get that if you listen to the last episode. All right. Um <laughs> <laughs> Two-Headed uh, two Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games where we discuss our favorite hobby and share our thoughts with you. Sometimes we play some games, uh, again, not today, no. you know, like actually a large percentage of the time. Most of the time, most of the time we don't, but I think... When we do, we bring we, we bring, bring something it. worth. We fucking bring you know, it. We we're not gonna just we're not gonna just record and post every session we play. We I thought I about it. We did think about that. We almost did it at one point. The logistics were the good. audio quality was terrible. Yes, but uh, I think we're gonna focus on delivering things worth listening to. Yeah. Yes, that is the goal. So when we have a when we have a live play idea that we think is a banger, we're going to live play it, and you're going to hear it. But for now, uh, we're continuing our series about prepping, prepping adventures. Preparation. We talked about last episode, a couple weeks ago, about what to do to prep for the system that you're going to run. And we talked about how, you know, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that you're going to start with D&D, but that you don't necessarily have to try and, you know, Walk that back of, a little bit and explore other, other stuff. A lot of other systems out there. A lot of other systems. We talked about all the good reasons why you might want to explore something else. And whatever, excuse me, whatever you land on, be it D&D or one of the many, many other systems out there, how to prep for it. Mm-hmm. Now, we're assuming you've done that already. You've done your homework. You've chosen a system. Mm-hmm. You've looked at the mechanics. At least you, like, have read that there are mechanics. You know the basics, hopefully. Um, you know, that core thing, like how do you roll dice and Mm -hmm. solve, how do you figure out if a dice roll needs to happen? And then when it succeeds or fails, that's the part you need to understand. And then probably like, at least look at the table Mm -hmm. of contents. So you know where to look other stuff up, but so you should have done that. Yeah. We're assuming you already did because now we're going to be talking about a campaign that you might be running. Right. So we're going to talk about the scope Mm. of a campaign, uh, then we're going to get into the more general story bits, uh, and then talk about progression of the how do you move the campaign forward. So, scope, right? The length of the story. Like, do you want this to be an epic spanning 20 years of a character's life? Or maybe it's just a couple weeks when something, you know, mm-hmm. fate of the world happens. I don't know. Yeah. Right. So we say that a lot of different story. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of things. Both are good. Both can be very compelling stories. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, the right off the bat thing that we've talked about always is like just player, um, uh, engagement, I guess, like to run a campaign that spans 20 years of a character's life. Um, that might be a little difficult Mm -hmm. if, you know, you guys only meet once a month and then, you know, before you know it, oh, two years have gone by and like, you know, people get busy. They, you know, get new jobs, they move, they have kids, they get, you know, married, get divorced, you know, shit happens. Mm. Um, so if you're doing something 
so long as that, you know, have some time skips in there. Yeah. You know. Consider, you know, stuff like that. And so, like, in the idea, following that idea, if you're going to have, like, time skips and you don't know how long a thing is going to take, how many sessions do you want it to be then? Because, like, do you want to play a session for everything? Do you want to play, like, every elapsed minute of in-game time? Probably not. How many sessions do you want a thing to be? Mm -hmm. Consider that when you're considering scope. We've had a great deal of success when we pulled back a couple years ago. We pulled back from, like, a... It will never end. Yeah, a persistent campaign that had no end in sight and was just like, oh, there's a million things to do in this world. We'll always have something new. Well, that wasn't working because we weren't playing often enough and our group was turning over all the time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't ever the same people because we were playing so infrequently. And that infrequency made all those things that Dane mentioned, like people moving or new school, new jobs, that sort of thing, made that a real obstacle to consistent play. So we pulled back from that idea and we decided we're going to run campaigns, quote, you know, there's no like law that says what a campaign's length needs to Mm -hmm. be, but we're like, we're going to shoot for three to five sessions. They're each going to be three-ish hours long Mm -hmm. and we're going to try and like complete an arc in that time because three to five sessions usually will still take you through a couple months yeah and but it's enough time to like actually have a complete cohesive yeah story going on so that's something that's working for us if you are uh fortunate enough to be meeting weekly maybe you push that out maybe you increase the scope of Mm -hmm. your campaign idea but if you are meeting weekly you could still do you know five session adventures and just like move on to the next one every time Mm because then you'll just get to play more and do more stuff and so like you know adventures can fit inside a campaign right so like you can still be a campaign in the same world with the Mm -hmm. same characters but maybe you break it up into like self-contained adventures Mm -hmm. and if you're going that way um Probably, like, it's going to get really messy if, like, every little adventure, you know, that's three to five sessions, if everything's a fate of the world deal. Yeah. Right? Because it's just, like, how many times can the world end? Uh, isn't that... That's a that's a Witcher line, ain't it? How many times can the world end? Not that. But, like, he's just talking. He's like, I've been alive for, like, three world ends or whatever. Does he say that in The Witcher? In the second season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, he's like, Siri's going to destroy the world. Oh, and yeah. And he's like, and well, he's like, yeah, but I've, I've, I've through, heard that before. Yeah, I've lived through several of those. <laughs> so, um, yeah, consider consider um, number of sessions. Because um, once you have the scope down, it's a lot easier to uh, get story beats going. Um, you know, and because that's what we started doing or why we started doing is like we never really completed anything everything was kind of open-ended and nothing had um, and it was frustrating that we were you know that we were never accomplishing anything besides just like making it to the next session Mm -hmm. um and so then like have you considered if it's a one-shot yeah right that's that's here on our outline it's a whole separate thing have you considered one shot because one shot is fucking great Especially if this is like one of the one of the first things you've done, I think it's a tremendous uh, misstep 
that almost every new game master seems to make to be like, this is the whole world mm-hmm. and we're going to start here and I have this like thing mm-hmm. that we're going to get to. Or you're just free in this whole world. Yeah. I and think like vampires are over here and like there's a swamp over here. And yeah. Like... And they're like, I don't even know. It's a whole thing. Maybe mm-hmm. you just start with D&D. You start with like the basic set. But there's this whole continent of Faerun on a planet with even more stuff going on. You're like, there's literally infinite things we could do. That is, I think, a pitfall. It's, well, it's fam- ambitious. Yeah. That, and so ambitious that it's rarely pulled off. Yeah. That you're just going to disappoint yourself and to a lesser degree your players. Generally, players are pretty happy to show up and do stuff. Mm. But uh, you want to deliver quality, yeah. right? So you come up with the story. You think, okay, I'm going to say, you know, this is a couple session, um, you know, world ending event players are going to save the world uh okay what if it's a one shot Mm, no i need i need three or four sessions to complete this okay so if if it's a one shot you know listen to the next episode Um, we're going to talk about one shots again uh so it's not a one shot right great let's talk about general story here yeah so there's a few things first thing we're just going to hit this idea again again be conscious of the content um that you include and your players comfortability what do you guys you know want to do this is i guess like silly and predictable but since i had a kid i'm way less comfortable with like kids in danger and like harm to them it really freaked me out in the at the end of witcher season two when all the babies got burned yeah i don't like that (laughs) and i don't think i would have loved it before <laughs> but mm-hmm. when i was when i was a new dad i was like oh no i hate this now <laughs> i still love the witcher it's great but you know things like that happen all the time just yeah. talk about that stuff yeah, um, this is supposed to be fun for everybody uh so make a story that's fun for everybody yeah all right setting setting uh and like this is just how we uh our creative process goes like when we're making a story we think about setting first, mm. right? So if you want to do it backwards or, I mean, not backwards. If you want to do it differently. Mm-hmm. In a different order than this. Because this is not necessarily the order to do it in. No. This is just the order that we organized our notes. Yeah. But, so you've you've got this scope in mind. You're mm. like, it's going to be vaguely this. Now, right. what's the setting? Right. And there's a lot of things that go mm. into the setting. Right, because uh, it's not just like oh, there it's swords and sorcery. Um, it's like, what's the geography like? You know, are there multiple continents? Are there multiple cities even? Mm-hmm. Like, where's the story? Is it going to take place in one city? Are they going to travel to another city? You know, in be small as that. And like, what's the culture? Yeah, are there like, are the folks in this country? Are they different than the folks in this country? Are they? Like, are they different species? Is it, like, elves over here and then, like, this human settlement or, right. you know, whatever. The different kind of the different cultures, how they interact. Um, culture, and I think these could have gone... The order could have been flipped, but it could be right the way it is. After culture, we have society and government, you know. Is it, mm-hmm. like, are these kings? Um, is it, like, a hereditary throne or... Is it an empire? Yeah. Is it barbarians who 
you know, fight a duel every couple years to decide their new chief. Mm. That's important stuff. Um, the magic level or the tech level. Right. That's the last thing. That's going to directly inform a lot about, like, your player characters, what they can yeah. do, and the stuff that and you the throw story. at them. Right, so, like, if, okay, the magic level is really low, mm-hmm. well, maybe a good idea for a big bad is they have a lot of magic. Yeah, like, the, that's, is like the supreme yeah. sorcerer mm-hmm. guy or something. Um, it's not a note on here, but I want to make it clear. We're not necessarily saying homebrew your own world. No. If you're playing in a setting that already exists, mm-hmm. these things are in there already. So whether you're making them up or not, or they already exist in a setting, know them is but, what we're and saying. Like, yeah. So, not necessarily you need to make up all these things, right? You know, never use anything from the book. No, no, use stuff from the book. Yeah. But think about the stuff in the book. Like, for example, yeah, for example, um, I did a what I think was a very cool um, campaign, and then, you know, we never got to it because uh, what we already said. Um, but in Torg, in the Nile Empire, like the, the pulp... Uh, you know, Indiana Jones uh, area. The the aliens who were the new Nile Empire, they were extremely factional. And they were like, you know, all these generals that like had these relationships with each other and like yeah, hated yeah. each other. That was a really cool thing that like all of North Africa was divided into these, well, it was an empire, but it was divided into provinces. Mm-hmm. And each one was ruled by a lord or a general. And they hated each other. Yeah, and some and some were buddies and some yeah. hated each other, right? So, like, I had this whole thing planned where it was like, we were going to start, like, a civil war, mm-hmm. right? Doing stuff for one of them to play off the other one yeah. and destabilize the evil empire. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't deliver a story like that if you don't know the important points about the setting. Yeah. Basically is right. what is what we're saying. And that's a setting that you either homebrew and make up yourself. If you're, you know, that kind of person, you're into that sort of world building. We certainly are. We've done several, you know, original setting things. And we've also worked in like the Torg setting or in the, uh, what's it called? The Forgotten Realms, the D&D one. We've done stuff in there too. We've done both things. It's important to know the important points about the setting in order to create your characters or well, run the adventure for other people. Well, because it comes into the campaign, right? Like, if there be travel, mm-hmm. what's up? You know, how's travel going to go? Like, you know, that kind of stuff. So, when you're making up a story for your campaign, take a, take a, some slices out of, like, ge- the geography. Like, ooh, I'm going to put a mountain range... Or, you know, a mountain range is here, and that's going to come into it. They're going to, my players are going to have to cross the mountains. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Because story goes nowhere without conflict. Right. Right. So, we have done an episode or two about conflict and, like, central tension Mm -hmm. um, types of villains. If you want to search those up, they're a little early in our catalog. I haven't re-listened to them. They might be kind of sloppy, but I don't think so. I think we were kind of on our game by then. Um, We talked about different types of villains and different types of, you know, Mm. conflicts that can exist in a setting that can drive a story forward and are important for players to engage with. Think about what that's going to be. Right. 
and like use the setting to inform the conflict. Like, oh yeah, these two governments, they're you know having a border dispute. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's going to come into it. And that's a good backdrop. Uh, kind of reminds me, like, so there, there's a thing that I've heard is that like writers really miss the Cold War because mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. having the United States and the Soviets and having that be like most of the world fit into yeah. that somehow mm-hmm. that was really great for storytelling right like such a such a anchor point of like conflict so like here's the you know here's a peri- oh, cold war fiction is just like it's so fun it's just so good but then that leads us into our next thing so like you've got a big central tension you've got your version of the cold war you've got you know like sauron on his throne plotting dastardly deeds or you've got you know, the wild hunt showing up mm-hmm. to their In thing. The their thing was nasty. Was, well, yeah, it was ba- broad strokes. Yeah. Uh, they were trying to, to end the world. Yeah. Um, but whatever. OK, so you've got that now is the story that you're going to tell is the, you know, is the adventure that your player is going to have is going to be a personal little thing to them Mm -hmm. set against the backdrop of it. Or is it going to be fate of the world? If it's the cold war, is it about like, you know, gritty in the trenches stuff? Or is it like about stopping a madman from starting a nuclear apocalypse? Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily have to, um, shoehorn in, uh, like, oh, it's going to be fate of the world. Uh, well, so like in Skyrim, for example, mm-hmm. like there's a civil war on. You don't have to engage with that if you don't want to, mm-hmm. but you can. So like maybe you plan it out like, oh, it's going to be a fate of the world deal. But then your players aren't really into it. Yeah. Well, then then you could make it personal. You could throw some personal things in there like. And maybe back off really hard of the fate of the world. Or back yeah. off. But either way, I I also don't think it's that binary. It's no. not a dichotomy between, yeah. like, you know, gritty personal stories and grand fate of the world narratives. But I think that's a good place to just start, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, start with that, and then you're probably going to find yourself somewhere in between with a mix of both. But think about it. Just it, think about it. Yeah, think about it. It's good, to have, a, is, it's good to have a starting be, point. You don't have to, like, this isn't write out your whole fucking campaign no. and have, like, you know, 40 pages typed. We already of, like, said campaign. it's not, we're not saying you have to homebrew your, home, mm-hmm. your whole big setting. You just have to know what's going on in it. So think about what's going on in it. Think about how your players might fit into it. Right? Like, if you're the type of game master who doesn't plan more than two sessions ahead... That's fine. But, like, you should probably have thought about more than two sessions ahead. Yeah. Um, what's next? Next. Well, players, right? Let's, Player let's, involve the pl- let's get the players in here. Yeah. How do you... Uh, players, you can... Prep for a campaign. You know, open the door and let players in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, players are... Players, you're allowed to listen now. <laughs> all right um so when you're when you're prepping for a campaign uh we assume that this is a new campaign right you're not continuing work on an old campaign so a new campaign 
players need to have a character, mm-hmm. right? Either create a whole new one, or you know maybe they bring up an old one, and like you know that's a whole other bag of worms that like maybe we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so players, they also uh, to make a character, they're gonna have to know some stuff about this world, and you know know some tidbits about the campaign. Yeah. Uh, such as like setting, because you want a player character that fits in with your setting, right? Because if you're doing a medieval fantasy kind of deal, uh, a Cold War, you know, Spetsnaz. Obviously, right? yeah, obviously, obviously that doesn't yeah. fit. Um, but that's kind of a wacky example, I yeah. think. Um, that's an you extreme know, example. Like using the building blocks of mm-hmm. D&D and saying, you know, what is and isn't in your setting is maybe a little bit of a better example. You'd yeah. say like... Well, I wanted to start big. Yeah. Because some systems like D&D, there is so much of it. Mm-hmm. Like there are all these races. There's this huge continent. There's all this mm-hmm. stuff going on. And the monster manual that like... Mm-hmm. It's, it kind of beggars belief. It would stray incredulity at that. That's Barbosa. Um, that all of the shit in the player's handbook, the DMG, and the monster manual, and Tasha's guide, and Xanathar's guide, it's kind of, it's kind of a little silly that all of that exists in one setting, right? But I think one of the strengths of Dungeons & Dragons, especially in the 5th edition form, the current form of it, is as a bunch of building blocks yeah. to make mm-hmm. you know what you want. And so like, you tell your players, um, only humans. You know, that's yeah. I'm doing a homebrew D&D thing. We're going to play Dungeons & Dragons, and there's some monsters that you're going to fight or whatever, but like you can only be humans. That's my fantasy world that yeah. I'm doing. Uh, so um, just like restrictions. Yeah. Right? Put some restrictions on that. Uh, different species of player characters. Uh, maybe classes. Maybe you restrict some classes. Like, oh, no no wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no like... Yeah, no sorcerers, wizards, or warlocks because magic is rare in this setting. Mm-hmm. There will be some magic... You're probably going to, like, fight some of them, mm. but you can't be them, at least not yet. And that's a great, like, exciting thing for players. They're like, oh, maybe that'll engage them. Be like, what is magic in this world? Where is the magic? Why can't I have the, the magic? magic. <laughs> give me. Give me the magic. Mm. So you should be thinking when you're prepping the campaign about how your players are going to fit into the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the players are going to have to think about how they fit into the world um which is uh, a prompt is a very good way to let your players know how they fit into the world yeah and i would say this is maybe i'm just gonna make a little circle for us later to put it on the board you want to put it on the board well let's put it on the board but not as like a this isn't a pillar of role playing the way like communicate with your players is a great thing or like you know safety first that's (laughs) that's <laughs> okay yeah uh it's it's not it's not a thing on that level but it might be a thing that maybe is a separate episode for us one day oh about you like want to put it on that board how to write a prompt for your new campaign because well i don't know if it'd be a good podcast episode it'd be a good like english 101 college lecture 
about how to structure that. We don't have to lecture. We can just talk about how we do. And I mean, that's just how that's just what every episode is. Uh, okay, you want to put it on the episode board. Yeah, let's, let's put it on the, the episode, episode board. board. How to write a prompt for your players, I think, is maybe uh, maybe a thing worth revisiting. But we're talking about how it's a good idea to give them a prompt. Yes. Um, and I guess it's just like a rough prototype for that episode. It should include the stuff that we just talked about. Yeah. To, I would say, a limited degree. You as the game master mm-hmm. maybe understand the setting better than they do. Mm-hmm. Um you probably do, especially if you wrote it. And it's not... Uh, it's not necessary, ever. And I would say it's rarely appreciated to deliver your players a big, thick primer. Yeah, you know? like a prompt is in like, you know, a good um, 250-word yeah. cat. Like uh, a page, max. You know, hey, look, here's what's going on in the world. Here's the deal. Here's you guys how are you fit this. In, yeah. Right? Like, you guys are, you know, adventurers down on your luck when you get mm-hmm. uh, a mysterious meeting. And I would say a good, um, a good like, last line of the prompt is, like, where are we going to start? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, so we, we explained, when we talked about scope, we explained how we in the last couple of years pulled back from a big ongoing never ending thing to contained adventures where we knew the start and end point and then we would just play them finish them and move on to the next one they've almost all started with a, like a really clear prompt that is also the like raising of the curtain mm-hmm. on the first scene yeah like when i did the um when I did the Call of Cthulhu one in Australia, I had you guys, you know, your character prompt about, like, this is what timeline it is, and this is what, you know, is going on. And you are all in a tavern, and whatever, you can be whoever you want, but you're, like, you're prepped to go on some sort of job. Because you're either, you know, out of money or mm. on the run from the law or, My you know. Daddy. Like, yeah. <laughs> on the run from your daddy. <laughs> Whatever. Like, <laughs> the prompt should tell them that stuff, I think. And I think it's really great. It's a really great little, like, narrative flourish when the last line of the prompt is the start of the first session. Yeah. You know. Right, like... Oh, you're drinking your last coin away in a pub when the door bursts open. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the last like line that of the prompt. Last bit. And then when you actually play, you're like, okay. Bang! The door just burst yeah. open, and this guy comes in, and he's like, hey, I gotta round up a posse. There's There's been a there's been a crime. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah. So, give your players a prompt. It should include a lot of this stuff, and it should prompt them explicitly mm-hmm. to like make the character that goes with this right because the prompts um is a good way to set up like a session zero mm-hmm. right like oh you guys are in a pub guy breaks in you don't know each other rounds up the posse okay we're meeting each other for the first time but you know we have one thing in common we're doing this job yeah and then, you know, you're going to get to know each other over the course of the job, and it's going to be weird. Mm. Probably scary. It's going to start the adventure. Yeah. Um, 
So once and that's once yeah. you you know done that right, you're prepping. You thought about your setting. You know stuff about your setting. Uh, you got your central conflicts. Uh, you figured out how your players are going to fit into the world. Little little revisit of scope. Like yeah. maybe you wrote too much. Mm-hmm. And this is revisit in two senses. I think this is under the um, player setting. It's not part of the same bullet. But like, I think you should revisit with your players and give them a an expectation about like how long mm-hmm. this is going to be, yeah. and what sort of thing this is going to be. But also, this is a moment of self reflection for you to revisit your idea of scope and be like, okay, is this a big open world thing that could go for you know ten years, and this is the this is what we play for the next ten years, or you know, is it is it a one shot? Yeah, maybe it's a one-shot. It's probably not either of those if you're bothering to come up with a campaign. It's probably somewhere in the middle, Mm -hmm. but revisit it. Think about it Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, adjust your planning and certainly adjust your expectations. Yeah. Based on, you know, what sort of response you get from the players and where you find yourself after you do your world building and your, your broad strokes prep. That's what this is all about. Yeah. Um, so you got all that stuff, right? How are you going to push the players forward? There's a lot of ways to do that. Because mm-hmm. um, if it's not a big open world, 10-year-long campaign, uh, you're probably going to need to give some pushes occasionally. Um, yeah. Like, your players are not going to see the the, like, important clue right or maybe they try and you put it behind uh a role mm-hmm. which like you know i think we've mentioned that we, yeah we've once. mentioned that you probably shouldn't do that but even if you don't mm-hmm. they might have it like literally in their hand and just miss the point of it. yes right so you're gonna have to come up with ways you know and mainly through improvising mm-hmm. um to connect the dots um so, like, what I like to do when I'm prepping for my campaigns, which, you know, right now are little adventures that last three or five sessions, um, I always have, like, you know, a funnel where, like, oh, the players get out and they get to explore, and it seems, you know, try to create the illusion that, like, they could do anything, mm-hmm. when really it's going to come back to this single point where, like, Oh, this assassin, for example, is gonna take a shot at them, mm-hmm. right? So that's the thing they they're gonna have to deal with, right? Whether they are like, oh, they're going to the secret meeting where the assassin shows up, or they're dinking around in the marketplace because, like, I don't know, they got into like a gambling game and just like, you know what, I'm gonna stay here for the next three hours in game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, the assassin comes and finds them, right? something. Yeah. This think about how your think about how your campaign is going to progress. What are the things that you can do to move this story forward? What are the things your players can do? When are they going to happen? How are you going to get them to them? How are you going to get your players to them if they don't do it? Right. Which is, Which, you know, a way Dane just mentioned yeah. like have the assassin come find them somewhere else. So, setbacks um thought of actually there were two ways to do this uh so that would be you know 
that would be an example of a setback. Your players miss something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wouldn't be a story setback. That would be a you know, fourth wall setback. Yeah, a setback but, of like, uh, how am I going to deliver on yeah. the rest of this adventure mm-hmm. when they didn't find the yeah. key to the room? Right. So you got you got to think about those setbacks. Like, what are the fourth wall, you know, kind of things happening outside of the game? It's like, okay, my players could miss this. Like, I thought this was a really cool idea. Like, you know, a tattoo marking them as the big bad. But your player, it just goes over your player's head. And you're like, okay, well, that was a dope idea. But, like, what if that does you know, what if they don't see it? Yeah. What's the backup plan? Um, and then there are the setbacks in-game. Like, Oh, they go. Uh, I don't know. Try to break down the the big bad's castle. They're gonna go raid the castle. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the big bad ain't there. He expected it the whole time, and there's traps. Mm-hmm. And that's like a planned thing. That's a planned thing that like if they get there, no matter what's gonna happen. You should also think of some setbacks. Uh, you know, like what if they fail? Yeah. In this thing, if they fail in this thing, you should have sort of like. Um, you should have like an alternate route, backup plan to the to whatever the end game is meant to be. You should have an alternate route where like, oh, now they're like down here and it sucks because they failed and they have to they deal with a their, different obstacle. Their jump, yeah, right. So now they're in the sewers. They can still make it to yeah. where they. You need can to still be. push forward. Mm. It's just yucky now, and it's yeah. different. And it would have been different if they'd succeeded. Mm. Think about those points. What are the points where like you can still go forward? But it branches. Yeah. And, and then, then, of course, the ending, right? Yeah. How do you bring it all together? What do you imagine the ending is going to be? What does it look like? And, I mean, so the little sub-bullet here is, you know, maybe you don't have one. Maybe your plan is for it to be open-ended and you're planning to do an ongoing thing. But as we talked about before, I think a lot of this stuff really benefits from having a clear beginning and end. You learn a lot, and then you get to start again. And as you iterate, your adventures get better, and the experience for your players continues to get better. What um, what was your advice for that? Well, uh, or is it just don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it, basically, better? don't worry about so it. So if, if you if you um, mess up an ending, like you don't stick the landing. Yeah. Uh, it will get better. Yes, I can vouch for that yeah. for sure. It'll get better. Um, and I think that that was my advice. Having an ending versus having it be like, I don't have an ending. This is an open world, open-ended thing, and they can do whatever they want. Um, I think I think play benefits from, you know, having an ending. And that leads into a little thing where, you know, we're kind of taught, or a lot of advice would have you believe that, linearity and like railroads are kind of a bad thing but i don't think it's that terrible to have an end point in mind and you know there could just be like several states of success or failure yeah well i mean i think that is open-ended in itself the the ending oh could go yeah 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 as far as like ambiguity it doesn't need to they don't need to defeat the big bad that you know, is going to destroy the world. I mean, because, you know, it turns out that nobody can destroy the world. They just change it. Yeah, maybe that's it. They just change it. the apocalypse happens, Mm -hmm. sure, that bad. But, you know, life life finds a way. Yeah. 
So now you get to play in a setting if after you wanna, the Yeah, if you want to continue or... another adventure mm-hmm. in that setting. Or you can just, like, narrate a bad ending. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's okay. That's allowed. Open-ended. Everybody dies. Ambiguity. Um, Y'all fucked up. Is fine. Everybody dead. But when you are prepping your campaign, this last little bit, consider the progression. What are the ways the story is going to move forward? How can the players do it? How can you do it? for them if they're not making it we had a whole episode about how to move things along when Mm -hmm. stuff is stagnating uh what are the setbacks going to be what if the players you know fail in something what are the like forks in the road what are the the story points where you know a false climax Mm -hmm. you know because everybody loves a false climax and then thinking about the ending what is the ending going to look like where do you want the where do you want the final confrontation to take place what are the different ways it can shake out? Mm-hmm. Consider that. Right. And, you know, sometimes it's okay for the players not to resolve everything. Yeah. Right. I would say so. Like, your failure players, is interesting. And your players almost certainly don't remember everything that happened. Or if it keeps them up at night, that means you just wrote yeah, a goddamn then, good then you story. hooked them and they'll be, they'll be stoked for whatever you... And they'll be Bring like, you know next. what? I'm definitely gonna like be watching out for tattoos next time because like mm-hmm. if I had seen that tattoo, if I had seen that stupid eyeball tattoo on the ankle earlier, <laughs> everything would have been different. And I would have known. <laughs> oh yeah. So that about does it um, for campaign preparation. That was our episode about how to prep your campaign after mm-hmm. you've decided on a system and prepped that as well. We talked about the scope of the campaign right. that you want to the run. The length of the story, right? How many sessions is it going to be? Is it, it a one shot? One? Is, is it, it going to be a million? Whatever. Yeah. Right? We talked about the general story, which is broken down into setting, the conflict, the core conflict, the player characters, and how they fit into it mm-hmm. and interact with it. Basically, you know, just standard story writing stuff, mm-hmm. um, but applied to role Applied playing. to role-playing games, yeah. different things. We, we're not... Authors, per se, but... Uh, Says the published author. Well, writers and game masters have a lot <laughs> in common. In this context, I'm not an author. There's a game master. It's a different title. Yes, but you also have a published Yeah, book. I did write a book. <laughs> um, and then the last thing we talked about was progression. How is it going to progress? How is it not going to progress? What does the end of that progression look like? Yeah. So, thanks for uh, listening to uh, this episode of Two-Headed Game Master. You can find us at 2hgm.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff there. You know, you can drop us a line, get on our mailing list. We do not have a mailing list, I just realized. No, we don't have that set um, up. But uh, you can still, you can email us. Yeah. And maybe that's better. Because, like, should, we who should, likes like, being on a mailing list? Oh, wait, no, I was going to say we should start a mailing list. Well, we, yeah, but it would be good for our brand, but also who fucking likes being on mailing lists and getting email updates I don't know, there's a reason they exist. That's true. Anyways, uh, the Eclipse Engine's on there, as Mm -hmm. well as all our other um, Ten Minute Dungeon, the Dungeon Creator Worksheet. Oh, God, there's a bunch of stuff. And it's all free. Everything up there is free for download. So, you know, go check it out. We got some helpful stuff up there. We got Patreon and Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. We're fun on Twitter. 
Better uh, better than following. You should follow us on Twitter, but you should also become a patron. Yeah, become a patron. Um, because Twitter doesn't pay us anything. Yeah, Twitter doesn't um, pay us anything, and we don't play games and you know just like talk casually yeah. RPG stuff on Twitter. Well, well, we do a little bit, but it's not active. You know, it's passive posting. Yeah. But on Discord, which you gain access to if you're a patron, it's active, active. and in person. Um. Join us next time for another episode of Two-Headed Game Master. We're going to talk about prepping for individual sessions Mm -hmm. now that you've got your system and your campaign ready to go. Um, Real real, quick. I mean, it came up, I guess. I wrote a book. Yeah. Uh, I actually wrote it back in, like, 2018, and I forget that it exists a lot. But um, it's called The Curse of Castle Morwen, M-O-R-W-Y-N. Uh, I self-published on Amazon, um, and it's available in Kindle and print. I make more money off the Kindle version, but the print version looks pretty cool. Uh, it's also, it was 2019. By the 2019 when I published it, yeah. I wrote it in 2018. You were still writing in 2019. No, I published it in, like, January. You were writing it in Italy, bro. You were doing revisions. That's 2000. That was 2019. Was it? Okay, yeah. so 19 was the year I wrote it. Woo! 20 was the year I published it, and then the world ended. Yeah, which is really hard to keep track of, like what happened before the world That's ended. That's true. It's been a weird, weird couple of years. Um, but that'll do it. Thank you to the Burning Saviors for the use of their song Pond Hillow's Finest as the intro and outro to our show. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.